Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where he's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence the narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. My guest today is Caleb Monroe, and he's a screenwriter of the Mongolian Connection and such comics as The Peanuts and Batman. He's also the Work Plus Culture Director at the prolific church called Reality Church of Los Angeles, which is one of the most amazing churches here. Caleb was first published as a writer at 11 years old, and this made a strong impact for his future career. His mother is also a published writer, and when he explained he wanted to pursue it as a career, his parents were extremely supportive which is counterculture to those of you pursuing the industry, you know what I'm talking about. Early on in his LA pursuit of entertainment and writing, Caleb worked at a comic book store where he got his first writing break when one of his coworkers got hired for a project and remembered Caleb because of a new project had Christian themes. And Caleb was the only writer he knew who was a Christian. Caleb pursued this and this led to one project after another and created the faith he had to pursue the dream career he has now. As a leader of work plus culture in Reality LA, Caleb is a mastermind of creating safe spaces for spiritual growth among spirits and is creating a model that I believe will be a prototype for churches everywhere. I'm so excited to interview Caleb Monroe and present him to you today. Well, I'm excited today because I've been wanting to meet you, Caleb, for quite a while. We had mutual friends who tried to connect us. It was almost like blind dating in a way. <laughs> yes. And I'm so glad you're on the show. Thanks for coming on here even before we've had a conversation. Uh, I'm so glad to be here, and uh, ev everyone in the world can now witness how we have a first conversation. <laughs> Isn't that nice? That's how it should be. We should have videotaped this just so we could show we, people see me <laughs> geeking out. I get to meet you. Um, <laughs> well, you are a great hybrid of a person in the sense that a lot of people who are out here in you know Los Angeles and a lot of people who are going in the entertainment industry don't really have a ministry side to them or else they like to volunteer at a church, but they don't really have like that occupational side. And you've done both. You've been involved with Reality LA for a long time, and then you've also been doing entertainment this whole time. But how did you get into the entertainment industry? And then I want to ask you a follow-up question of like, how did you get into ministry as well? Uh, yes. Yeah. So as far as entertainment, uh, when I was 11 years old, my local newspaper in Greenville, South Carolina, bought two pieces of writing from me. And wow. um, they, now they had a page where they did that specifically for elementary and middle school kids. They would buy art and writing <laughs> it and, and they would publish it. And my sixth grade teacher had submitted two of my creative writing assignments and they bought them. And I just remember having this newspaper open in front of me and there was my little poem. And then there and next to it, I had this check for ten dollars that they had paid me. And I just remember thinking, oh, people will pay you to make stuff up. Um, that's well, I, amazing. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and <laughs> that same year, my mom sold her first book. And that same year, I bought my first comic book. Wow. So, so what genre was your mom's book? Uh, it was a devotional for the grieving. Uh, okay. Three years earlier, my sister had died um, oh. at the age six from leukemia. It was very oh. sudden. And as part of her grieving process, my mom wrote a devotional for those who are grieving. So it's wow. very raw. And um, yeah, that began her publishing career as a writer. So that must have really had a big impact on you when you were obviously already publishing and going, okay, 
this isn't our family. This is part of what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I had an advantage that probably 95% of people coming to Hollywood didn't have, which is when I told my parents I wanted to be a writer, they were they just said, okay. Because that was That's one awesome. of that was one of their jobs, you know. There, <laughs> there was amazing. there was no like, are you sure you don't want to be a doctor or a lawyer? That's what one of them did for work. So they were like, okay, great. <laughs> that is so rare. You're like, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So when you buy your first comic book and you're like, I want to write, were you thinking like I want to write graphic novels and comic books, or what? What were you thinking, or where did you end up in that journey? Uh, well, you know, graphic novels and comics to me are all the same medium. They're just different lengths um, and. What's funny is it really took me until I was, I think, 19. So it took another eight years before I put together that my that I loved the stories and comics and I wanted to write. Up until then, I had been wow. writing mostly short stories, a little bit of poetry, um, selling a little few things just like science fiction, fantasy magazines. And, and then I just I, I came across some comic book writers who made such a big impact on me. And I thought, I could do this. And then that's I started pursuing that around 2000 and got my first paid job in 2007. I think it was, might've been 2008. Oh, wow. That must've been extremely exciting. <laughs> it was, it was extremely exciting. Yes. So what moved you or when did you move out to LA and what did that look like? I moved out to LA in 2001, 19 years ago. Wow. And I actually moved here with my entire Bible study of creatives from Atlanta oh and and some friends and mentors of ours from Charlotte and mutual friends from Nashville. So I moved out here with 14 people. And so I never had that that loneliness that so many yeah. people experience yeah. upon upon washing up on the shores of Los Angeles because I had essentially brought an entire community with me. Wow. And the entire community of creatives, which is just who does that? That's so, so cool. Yeah, all, all Christians and all uh, creative in some way, whether it's they're models or musicians or um, actors, writers like me. Well, I want to intersect this conversation because that's a, that right there. You came with a Christian posse, which, like you said, is rare. And you ended up in both entertainment writing, but you also were doing ministry. Like, How did the ministry side start? So uh, in 2014, I think it was, um, uh, my wife and I, we just had a big tax bill. And I, I had been writing full time for four years at the time, but we just needed some extra income. So I just printed my resume and just walked around our neighborhood. My goal was on the first day to give my resume to the places I'd like to work. On the second day, I'd give it to my places where I'd be okay working. And on the third day, I'd give, <laughs> I, I would give the resume to everyone else. And That's a true Hollywood story right there. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, two of the places from the first day called me. And so I ended up with these two part-time day jobs working at a matcha bar and at a juice bar. Amazing. Uh, just to provide us with extra income. I was still writing. And a year and a half into that... Uh, in, in the way that God does, he, I had, it never had even occurred to me to work at a church or be part of a ministry. Um, and, and, and God basically said, you should apply for that open copywriter wow. job at, at your church. And I did. And three and a half months later, uh, I was on staff. And what I just realized this past year, cause I had forgotten this is at the beginning of 2016, I felt prompted to ask 
some friends to pray to commit to praying for me for the entire year. And I didn't even know why. And I got 22 friends that uh, committed to praying for me all year. And I sent them prayer updates throughout the year. And it was the last four months of the year is when I applied and got accepted and joined staff at Reality LA. So there was, that was so awesome. all this preparation. And, and, you know, for most of the year, I had no idea why, why I was even doing that. I think that's so like, I love that. I love that people are going to hear just kind of what I'm hearing, which is you, you came here out of a deep connection to friendship, community and life. You're married out here. You, you know, you're part of this church during the job after a season of really praying and praying, just activating your faith with God. I want to talk a little bit about, because you even put this in our notes, just as far as doing marriage, doing family, doing life, mm -hmm. entertainment, because that's one of the areas I think that people from the outside of the entertainment industry wonder, like, is there healthy marriages, healthy families? What does it take to have that? And then people on the inside are saying, you know, like, we're that's what we're striving for. If we're not sacrificing each other for our careers, we're going to strive for it. Like, let's be the most connected we can be. And there's kind of this false image that everyone in Hollywood gets divorced or everyone, you know, mm -hmm. there's so much pressure. Everybody just has a terrible family. And I've actually found the, the opposite is that people are fighting so much through stuff that they'll get the therapy that even pastors won't normally get because they're trying to just make on their own independence. They'll actually go out for therapy or, or they'll go to the marriage seminars. They'll go to the things that, that, that will help them versus a lot of other people who are like high profile business people or pastors or politicians they don't slow down to get the help because mm -hmm. they're because of the independence that's bred into humanity. But I feel like entertainment, you're always growing, you're always learning, you're always taking a class, you're always going after something, but it is still so hard for so many people. So, so tell me about your experience. Yeah, it's so difficult. And you know, I think part of part of what informs that that trend you're you're observing is that artists make their living off their feelings. They live in their feelings a lot. So true. And so it's just it's a little easier for them to get help for their feelings or to talk yeah. to others about their feelings because that's what they're pouring into their work uh day in and day out. That but there are sense. there are some very unique pressures on an entertainment marriage. And uh I, I have a real heart for this. I'm actually developing a a pre-marriage training for those where one or more of them are working in the entertainment industry because yes. there are just unique pressures that, that you're going to run into. And, and so many of the things that my wife and I have faced over the years would have not been as big if we knew they were normal, if we knew they were coming and um, knew that we weren't alone. You know, like if wow. just if we just knew like, oh, OK, here's that thing that we knew was going to come because we have a marriage and we work in entertainment. And yeah. so a lot of it is I think it's just letting people know that 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 sort of stuff is coming. One of the biggest pressures is um, two of the biggest pressures, I say one is separation, because, um, for instance, my my wife is often gone seven months out of the year, not not always at once, but sometimes all at once. Wow. Uh, traveling for her work. She's a makeup artist. And, and then the other big one is, is the growth of careers. So it's one thing if you're married to an actress and she is working, but she's, you know, she's doing a, a day job or a two day job yeah. once a yeah. month or every couple weeks or, or whatever. It's a whole other thing if she gets cast as the star of a TV show and her yeah. life is now this TV show. Uh, that that will bl that blows your relationship up because everything that you've developed about how you relate to each other no longer applies. Um, 
when you apply that to sports or music or video yes. games or whatever, it's like these these jobs that take you out for three months at a time, six months at a time. And then also if there's any stardom or fandom to it at all. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. So these are just some unique pressures. And I think just people knowing that they're coming. So for my wife and I, we, we for, uh, I think it was 13 years, we really had no trouble with the separation. Um, it was, it was, God had given us a grace because for us to do the two things he had called us to do, it was required that we would be, we would be apart some of the time. Um, and so I act, I actively discourage any couple from doing that. (laughs) Um, uh, it it was a pure, it was a pure miracle and a grace of God that, that, that worked for us, but for almost all couples, it doesn't work. So I don't encourage trying it, but it, it just did end up working. And we were both listening to him about whether to take any of these jobs and all of that sort of stuff. And, but we had never been apart for more than six weeks at a time. Okay. And then um, two years ago, it, uh, my wife was gone for four and a half months. Wow. And sure enough, week seven is when everything fell apart. <laughs> wow. So it turns out that we had a limit of six weeks. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so I call this, and every couple has this, I call this the Rosh limit. And that's an astrophysics term. And it's the point where a... a body that holds itself together with its own gravity, like a planet, enters a larger gravitational field like that of a black hole. And the very point where it stops being able to hold itself together with its own gravity is the rush limit. That's awesome. And every couple has one of those. And I know some couples, it's two weeks. I know some couples, it's four weeks. Um, My wife and I discovered that it's six weeks. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is you can only discover it by crossing it. But once you do cross it, then um, as a couple, it's important to make plans and make decisions to never cross that again. So. So kind of describe that if you can without, I don't want to ask to be too vulnerable, but what was the, what was the effects of that? Cause you're saying it's, it sounds pretty dramatic what happened. Yeah, it was, it was very intense. Um, it was, uh, just, uh, it was just a real strain on our relationship. The things that, that just came up in both of our hearts after being apart for too long. And uh, I think it had a positive result because it, it it ended with us um, getting help and therapy and counseling, um, which we probably could have used earlier in our marriage. That's another thing that I tell couples is to start yeah. that er- start that early. Yeah. Um, and but it's just you know it's very when you're when you're only awake for a few hours in common in the day. You know, she's going to bed when I'm waking up. I'm waking up when she's going to bed. It's it's hard to have any serious conversation. You're both tired. Um, and so any, you know, anything serious that comes up in the relationship, it just, it's, it's amplified the difficulty involved in just talking about it or dealing with it. If, if for no other reason, just the time shift. Absolutely. No, I can relate. I did itinerant ministry for a long time. Yeah. For 25 years. And I just have stopped this year. Yeah, not mm-hmm. just because of COVID, but that was a catalyst. But uh, there was times I was gone, you know, for 150 days a year. And it wasn't ever consecutive, but after having two little kids, my wife and I were looking at each other going, I didn't want to do it anymore. And she was like, I can't have you gone this much, no matter what, if I'm going to have any quality of our family life at all. And so we just were really putting that kind of on the table to get a discussion. Mm-hmm. And I started to think about my friends who are on the road for six to nine months a year in music, or my friends who are like actors on a serious drama, and they have to be gone to from LA to New York for, you know, four months straight or whatever. And they only get like a couple weekends to come home. 
And like one of my friends just had a baby and she's already on set and she's like her husband would fly over to the country she was at and they were, she was there for five weeks and he was flying back and forth on weekends sometimes. And I'm just thinking of like the pressure there is in this industry because of the level of work it is, is so high. And I was experiencing it from a different vantage point because I was doing a non-entertainment ministry, which is also a high pressure, you know, world, mm-hmm. but it's just so wild. If you don't have that trusted community and a trusted relationship to a therapist and some mentors and people in your life. So I love that you guys went after that just immediately. And I think that probably because of your maturity and it sounds like in life, it was just a natural progression to that, but kind of talk about the ministry side of things because not many uh, entertainers, like I said earlier, actually will be in ministry too. And how is that even in your marriage and the whole context of the way you live life? Like those are two big poles from entertainment to, to ministry. Yeah, it's been it's been a very interesting journey uh, about it, about a year after I joined church staff. And at this point, I was I was creating the the work and culture uh, uh, position that I have now. I was I was helping to relaunch this work and culture ministry at our church that I oversee now, which involves a lot of artist ministries and, and ministry to creatives and gives me a chance to create some of the circumstances I wish that I had had access to as a younger Um, creative Christian. But it was about a year into this, we were at a friend's house. Uh, He was a TV writer and had, I had helped him with his latest TV pitch. And, and he had always said, uh, you know, off the cuff that if, um, if he ever show ran his own show that he would want me to be a part of it. And, uh, and, and I thought that was wonderful. But you know, I also, I also know (laughs) <laughs> how many circumstances, <laughs> how many, you know, how yes. many circumstances go into something like that, but yeah. it was, it was a possibility. Right. And, um, he was that very week that we were at their house. He had that pitch that I had helped him on. He had already pitched it to four studios and he was pitching it to another four studios or, uh, um, and networks, uh, in the, in the two days after. And this little thing happened in my heart for the very first time. And, uh, and I thought, oh, well, if that does happen, if one of those places picks it up, then I'm going to be a little sad because I'll have to leave staff to wow. work on a TV show. And it was the first time in my life that anything had ever rivaled writing in my heart. Wow. Um, the very first time. And, um, and you know, so it, I, this, this ministry that I, I do at Reality LA, it's called Icon. It's our work and culture ministry. And it it turns out that I'm pretty good at it. I'm pretty good. <laughs> like I'm pretty good at building community. Your, your reputation proceeds. You are <laughs> extremely good at it. But the thing is, is I didn't know that until I was 38 years old and God said, Hey, why don't you apply for this job at a church? And then I found myself doing a position that I just had, I never had an opportunity to try to do any of these things. And so yeah. it was really interesting. God had given me a, a gifting for writing a long time ago, but he also had stuck this other gifting in there that I didn't discover until I was 38. It makes me wonder, like, what other things are all of us, do all of us have in there? We just haven't been in the circumstances to draw it out yet. Um, so, you know, but the, the, only, the, the only film I've written that's been made so far just came out in August, The Mongolian Connection. I wrote that while I was, thank you. I co-wrote that. Um, and I did all of that while I was on staff at Reality LA, writing it mostly in the mornings before beginning work. And um, so have sort of been balancing those two things ever since. And it can be very, very difficult sometimes. 
Um, at, at one point, a pastor from another church asked me how I did it. And, and I was only half joking when I said, well, about every six months, I just have a mini breakdown. And, <laughs> um, Which is par for course for anyone in ministry. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, it, you know, it, I, I, have, I have slowly been able to uh, I was reading Eugene Peterson's memoir yeah. early on in my time in ministry. And I just, I skipped at random to a, to a book, to a chapter in there that had the word right in the title. So of course it grabbed my attention. <laughs> and in the very first paragraph, he's talking about John of Patmos. Um, and he says, John of Patmos didn't see pastoring and writing as different things. And that just, that totally blew my mind. Cause in my mind, I was balancing these entire two areas of life. And wow. then, and then Peterson was introducing this idea that maybe they're not different at all. And, um, and slowly over the years, I've come to see that these are kind of laboratories for the same thing. What I'm, what I'm really passionate about is the way that faith and art, um, work together and intersect and dovetail in life. And, and I explore that by making my own art as a person of faith, but then I also explore that by trying to catalyze it in others. Uh, so it's kind of in, two laboratories for the same thing, but it's taken me several years to even reach that point of sort of seeing them as, as, as a sort of, a, as the same thing as a balanced. Um, and do you think the catalyst for seeing it that way was just your spiritual journey of doing this? Or do you think that there was kind of an aha moment? I think the aha moment was reading that, that yeah. line from Peterson because, the, and then, and that started deconstructing my entire life. <laughs> Um, I, I just, I just started falling apart because I'm like, are all the things that I think are different in life? Are they all the same? (laughs) And, and it kind of, it kind of broke my, I, my identity of myself down for three or four months before, before starting to put it back together. And as I put it back together, I began to sort of see the, some of the connections between these things. Um, that is so good. I, I know when I was studying kind of Hebrew studies, one thing I was really struck by in Hebrew culture is how they would learn the same um, the same principles they would learn how to apply it as a business person, as a family man, in their studies with God. And all, it was all the same. It wasn't like so compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of the way we do life and church and family and everything is so compartmentalized in American culture that it's like we, we're not, we don't always bring the same value or receive God the same way in all those areas. So it's so cool that like, these are not two separate things for you. And we, we have the old cheesy statements of like, everything you do should be done in worship to God. <laughs> you know, like everybody says that, but it's, you do enter into that kind of place in your idea of like, yeah, this is what I, and he prepared me before time began for good works. And this is part of it. And it is all the same stuff. Whether I've learned that as a minister, whether I'm, you know, doing stuff like I'm coaching somebody one-on-one or whether I'm doing a podcast or whether I'm preaching at a church or whether I'm helping to executive produce a TV show, it, it's all the same to me. Like I bring the same version of me to all those things and family and to friendship. And I feel like a lot of people are, they don't understand the freedom of that in the culture that we've built. And so I so love your identity journey because I feel like it's so valuable and you impart, you impart so much identity to others. That's the first thing that our mutual friend, Karen Cavell told me is like, he's just so amazing. He just, he's so, he knows who he is. And I think it's obvious, you know, just through our interview. Well, share with me a time that God showed up for you besides the ones you've already shared in the entertainment side of life? Um, sure. Uh, one interesting early one is how I ended up with my first paid writing gig as, as a comic writer. So at the time, I just worked at a comic book shop off of Sunset. Um, a bunch of 
film and TV and professional comic writers shopped there. It was a big, well-known store. And behind the counter, most, almost all of us were uh, ourselves trying to break into the industry. So I'm working behind the counter with these guys and, and with close friends of ours that would be in the shop every week. And we, we collaborate on stuff. We show each other our pitches or our works in progress. We, um, and it, it was sort of out of this culture because everyone in, everyone in that group has now moved on. They're editors in comics or they're TV writers wow. or comic book writers. Um, and what happened was the, one of the guys that I worked with, the guy who had actually advocated for me to get hired there in the first place, even though he and I had only talked for like 15 minutes before, you know, when that happened. Um, uh, he got hired as an editor, uh, at a comic company here in LA, just like a baby editor entry level. But the, the hardest thing in the breaking in process is someone who is a gatekeeper who has read your work. And I had this editor who had read all my work, self-published, unpublished, wow. and, and ha I had collaborated with. And about four months in a project was, he was put in charge of a project and it was a, it was a project that had originated with Stephen Baldwin, um, who is a Christian. And it had some, it had some religious themes in it. It was not a, sure. relig a religious story by any means, but it was basically an FBI agent investigates a bombing and then they start to wonder if they're actually investigating the beginning of the end of the world. And, um, and so the editor came to me and he said, I need someone who is a good writer, but who will also understand what Steven's talking about. If Steven quotes any scripture or anything in a meeting, <laughs> like re related to the story. And he's like, I know, I only know one person and that's you. Cause we had worked that's together so for a long time. And he, he knew that I, I, I was a Christian. And so he um, got me to write a pitch for his bosses and his bosses liked the pitch. And, um, and I got the job writing that book and, and they liked what I did with that. And they gave me a second book and a company across town liked what I did with that first book and they um, gave me a, a, a job. And so it just sort of like my whole career just kind of came from someone um, uh, just seeing me as the, as the only person in their portfolio who was both a believer and a good writer. That's amazing. Yeah. I just love that story. I think God is so kind of seeding people into these industries and it's so cool when you just, you know, you were who you were. So he knew to ask you. And that's amazing. Well, tell us about, as we're ending, tell us about Icon and what you're doing and what you're building, because it's such a prototype model for a lot of groups from around the world. I know, you know we've done events in Singapore, the entertainment industry, and in Vancouver, and in Korea, and there's groups that are looking for language and connection. And what are you building so they can hear some of what you're doing? Yeah, for sure. We are, um, we are trying to, what, the way we have decided to approach it is that we are building ongoing communities um, by field. So we have a music community, we have a writing community, we have an acting community, we have a healthcare community. Cool. Soon we'll have an education community and a food community. And uh, these communities are all led by people who work in those fields full time. And they're composed and they're comprised of people who work in those fields. And the whole point of the community is to for them to be able to explore the very unique ways that what they do intersects with their faith. Because the way that an actor's work intersects with their faith is entirely different than the way mine does as a writer. It's entirely yeah. different than the way a restaurant owner's is. It's entirely different than the way uh, a registered nurse's is. And so they, 
they need to be together to be able to explore that, um, to have the common ground, to be able to dive deep into the unique ways that what they do expresses uh, God's presence in the world. And, and then also, you know, I think of it as building what I call second half of the conversation spaces. Wow. So as a Christian, who's a writer, I spend the first half of any conversation with Christians explaining what it's like to be a writer. And I spend the first half <laughs> of any conversation with writers yes. explaining what it's like to be a Christian. And when I'm around someone else who's both, we can skip to the second half of the conversation. That's so good. And that's where the real encouragement happens. And I think that's actually the main reason that you bring people together in the same field is for the encouragement. Yeah. Um, the, the Bible always uses encouragement in the plural. There's no biblical category for encouraging yourself. Um, I don't need any help getting discouraged, but I need others. <laughs> I need others to encourage me, which literally just means to wrap in courage. And you need people who know what your meetings are like, who know what your rejections are like, who know what your struggles are like to wrap you in the in courage because they get it too, you know, and they can yeah. wrap, they can wrap you in the right kind of courage to send you back out into your day and vice versa in the second half of the conversation spaces. So that's, a, that's a very sort of broad overview of, of, of how I think about it and, and what we're hoping to do. Oh, I love that. That's like, it just so inspires me and uh, makes me want to be a part of your groups. <laughs> I love it. Well, thanks so much, Caleb, for everything you're doing. And what's the best way for people to get a hold of your ministry and what you guys are building in Reality LA? Yeah, so at Reality LA, they can just visit ICON with a K. So it's ikon.realityla.com. And for my personal writing, anything along those lines, just calebmonroe.com. Perfect. Well, I'm going to watch the movie. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your future and what you're bringing for, you're not only doing it for yourself, but you're multiplying just what God's giving you and what he's showing you for all these people you're touching. And I know that I, that's my heart is to get more people who are both on the inside of the entertainment industry, but also multiplying that to other believers, other people to help them have the courage like you're saying. So it's so cool. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to Exploring Series Podcast with me, Sean Bowles. We're now up to three episodes a week with three different themes. Join me every Monday for Exploring the Industry, where we have powerful conversations with Christians and entertainment industries around the world who have stories about how their faith is impacting their career and the world around them. Join us Wednesdays in one of the most listened to podcasts in Christianity, Exploring the Prophetic where I get to interview people from every walk of life about how hearing from God has changed their world and the world around them. Then come download every Friday's edition where we're exploring the marketplace with my co-host, Bob Hassan, where we have powerful interviews and we answer questions from listeners like you who have careers in the marketplace. Come take a seat in our conversation and ask your questions and subscribe to the Exploring Series where we go on one journey together to see what it looks like to have a living relationship with Jesus in every kind of life imaginable. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's gonna change the world through the entertainment industry. And we wanna invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at bowlsministries.com where you're gonna to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.